And we're back with another episode of the MDM Podcast. I am your host, Joe Morales, joined with my co-host, Trevor Markowski. How you doing, Trevor? I'm doing good. And Trevor, we're going. We're doing this as the Met game's going on. So it's bottom six, 14-2. I think this is Brandon Nimmo up. And uh, we, we can start right with that. And we'll start with Marcus Stroman first, who uh, joins Cespedes as the only other Met to opt out. And obviously, in, in, in a 60-game season with the coronavirus and everything, you can't blame a player for opting out. Uh, after all, it's their right to remain safe. But uh, it's a huge blow to the pitching staff. And it's already beaten up with uh, Stroman. Stroman was hurt. And now you found out Porcello was hurt. So now you're looking at the rotation with DeGrom, Porcello, Mats, and uh, some other guy. So off the bat, Trevor, I'll get your opinion on this. But this Met pitching staff is, is, is really beaten up. Yeah, and it doesn't help that Matt didn't pitch well tonight. You know, he gave up a lot of runs and short innings. And, and now the Mets, they should have got Fulton Amish now after everything that happened. That looks like a bad uh, management not to sign him now. And now the Mets, I think, are really in trouble. Right, you could have went Fulton. Net, you could have went Fulton Amish, but they, they you have some options now in the minor leagues. You traded for this guy Ariel Gir, uh, Gerardo, his name is, uh, and he's had some starter experience. He got, he got they got him from Texas, but he's never had an ERA under five point eight. And uh, Luis Rojas discussed Walter Lockett, Franklin Killam, and I heard on the fan today Seth Lugo has a shot to get into this rotation, and I am one hundred percent against that. I would give him a shot before any of the other minor leaguers. No, no. I see. I wouldn't give Lugo a shot. Because then you're looking at Edwin Diaz as your closer. And then Dylan Batances has been a huge disappointment. His velo's down. And the only guy other than that is Justin Wilson. So without Lugo, who is your best bullpen arm, you're you're stuck with nothing in your bullpen. So why would you put Lugo on the rotation? Could, or could you see the Mets doing an opener? Yeah, with this horrific bullpen? You want them to go nine innings with the bullpen? Well... I, uh, well, the starting pitching hasn't been any better. But we take out the Guam, everybody had the start. The rest of the starting pitching hasn't been any better. Right, but it couldn't hurt to give one of the other these other guys a shot. We know we know Walter Lockett's an awful starting pitcher, right? You can give another. Uh, you can give this Franklin Killam guy a shot. Give this Ariel Gerardo guy another shot. Like there, there's options here. And Seth Lugo taking your best relief pitcher out of the bullpen and put him as a five starter for the time being. It doesn't make sense to me. I would get a long reliever to try and go four innings, and then I'm trying to work from the bullpen there. And I'm trying to think because I don't know any starting pitchers that are available off the top of my head. Like the only the only ones I could think of are, are starting pitchers on bad teams that you're gonna have to give up prospects for, like like a Matt Boyd or or a Matt or a Michael Fulmer, someone like that. But there's not a lot of options here until Walker gets back. And even after Walker gets back, what's your depth now? I, I think the Mets pitching situation is really becoming dire every, yeah. every day that goes by. Oh, yeah, obviously. But uh, so, so the Mets now, down to, to, to the four healthy starting pitchers, they're going to have to find themselves a fifth starter. And, uh, yeah, p- not picking up Mike fulton was was a mistake. And, and we both agree when he was DFA, that was a guy you should have went to picked up just to give you some sort of depth. And now they look bad for not taking them. Yeah, I think the Mets are really in trouble now. They're going to have to find a way. And this could really – I mean, the Mets are really not good. The record's not good. This could really make make them worse. And I think that they're going to be giving up seven, eight runs, I think, almost every game now with this pitching staff. Well, yeah, that's, that's a good transition into what's going on at City Field right now. Like we said, 14-2. to two. 
uh, another Steven Matz. And by the way, the Mets are 7-9 and nine on the year. And uh, they have not looked good at all. But they're currently losing 14-2. to two, And it all stems back to the horrific start from Steven Matz. And he went into the start with an ERA around 5-6. Eh, 5-6-5. Around five, six, five, five, and after being taken out in the fifth inning, it's, it's somewhere above 8 now. And this guy, as he approaches his 30th year of his life, cannot stop surrendering the long ball, Trevor. Yeah, it's obviously a problem. And the other thing, too, is he's given up a lot of fly balls, and the Mets outfield, for some reason, can't seem to get the ball in the glove when it's a, and it's a fly ball that hangs up for a long time. Oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy you bring up the defense. I'm happy you bring because because Brandon Nimmo, I know he's not a center fielder, but on any ball hit to him, he takes a step back, takes a step forward. He does not look comfortable in center field. And, Trevor, I, I love Gary Cohen, Keith Hernandez, and Ron Darling. I think they're the best broadcast team in all Major League Baseball. But I do not need them waving pom-poms every time J.D. Davis gets a routine ground ball hit to him. I get it. J.D. Davis is not a good fielder. The reason he's playing third base right now is because he was horrible in left field and they need to bring him back to third base. But every time there's a routine ground ball hit to J.D. Davis, I have to hear, oh, what what a great play from J.D. Davis flashing the leather. Trevor, he's a horrible fielder. I don't think he's that good. I think he's very average at third base. He's not a great fielder. He's not an awful fielder. He's very average. Yeah, and every time there's a routine ground ball hit to him, it's it's like he's making a diamond catch. Like he, he dove into the stands like Jeter did. It's, oh, what a play by J.D. Davis. No, it was hit right to him. Well, it was a, it was a little weak ground ball that he, uh, that he just picks up barehanded. Yeah. first. He's made a couple of good plays, and I want I want to compliment JD Davis because this isn't his fault. But when he's playing third base, he he hits better, and you know that right now. Ever since he was uh, ever since he took over third base, I think he's on a thirteen game hitting streak right now. That dates back to when he was playing left field. Oh, and that one's driven deep to right. It is uh, off the wall. Uh, all right, so the Nationals have another double, and Chase and Shreve looks awful. But um, but yeah. When he's playing third base, he hits better, and you're seeing that. I don't know if he has hits tonight, but he's getting two, three hits a game. It's three home runs on the year in 13 games, and yeah, I'm just saying he's hit. He's an all-around better hitter when he's playing third base. I agree. Maybe you should play third base a little bit more just because where he's hitting, but the fielding part of it is not really that good. Right, and you and, got you have sorry. I'll, you can go in second, but they have Jeff McNeil in left field uh, in left field today. And they've had that for a couple games before this, and I think it's the right idea because McNeil's that, that he's that Swiss Army knife. You can play him wherever you want. Yeah, uh, the Mets have really a lot of problems at pitching and defense, and the lineup is not performing. Yeah, and you know what? As you say that, they they can't hit either. And a couple weeks ago, when we were doing shows and when when the season just got underway, they were leaving fifteen guys on base, and we were saying how that can't happen. And it looks like Pete Alonso hasn't gotten out of this slump yet and you and you brought it up before we came on here that of course in a game where they're losing by 16,000 runs he gets a meaningless single or fielder choice it was right yeah yeah and uh so one, one more thing on Steven Matz you mentioned how he uh surrenders a, a lot of fly balls I said it with the home runs his home runs per nine is now north of three and this guy is nothing but a nuisance to the starting rotation now and they can't afford to have that when they only have three star, uh, healthy starting pitchers yeah, I think he's given up the most home runs since 2018. He came into the day with 58. Yeah. So the Nationals have at least, I might kind of at least hit two. Uh, let's see. It was Turner, uh, 
Soto, and I think Keyboom hit a home run too. Someone else hit a home run. But that was now 61. Yeah, so they yeah, three home runs today. That's 61, 58 plus three. Yeah, 61. So 61 home runs on the year. Are you saying this year for Steven Matz? Or no, since 2018. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Some guys don't even give that in their whole career. And he's, and he's doing it in three years. Unbelievable. And every year it's like, oh, it's the year Steven Matz. It's the year Steven Matz is going to put it all together. He hasn't done anything. And he's sitting there losing 14 to 2 now. He hasn't done anything right, Trevor. How long are they going to wait for him? You know, eventually patience just runs out, and I think it's coming very close. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. So, again, the Mets losing 14-2. to two. They're 7-9, and nine, about to be 7-10. and 10. And uh, this Mets team looks dead. And it's, it's, it's a loss deal already. And in a year where the top two teams make the playoffs in the division. Plus another two. Oh, plus another two wildcard teams. I can't speak to where the Mets are on the wildcard race. But right now they're fourth place behind the Marlins, Braves, and Phillies. So I I do think that the Marlins eventually correct themselves, Trevor. But the Braves are going to win the division. And then you have to fight off the the Nationals, who are actually four and seven. And then the Phillies, who are five and six, and they're picking up steam, which George Roddy said. They scored 15 runs today. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't, I can't see how they make the playoffs. They, they're just not performing. They have to fix a lot of things to make the playoffs. They got to fix a lot of things. Uh, you know, I don't see that happening. And they got to fix the manager. I think he shouldn't even be managing the team. But Oh, yeah. What, what have you noticed that he's done wrong recently? He's just, yeah, just <laughs> the decisions he makes with the ball pin. And I just think all around, he's just overmatched. The way he uh, sets the lineup, the questionable decisions, the b- bench guys, I just think he's overmatched. Yeah, and that's the problem when you bring in a manager who has no experience who hasn't managed a game above AAA. Oh, oh and there's a fly ball to left. Is that gone? That's gone. Yes, it is. Who was that? That was Cabrera, so I'll make it 16-2. to 16-2. That's the four, That's probably the fifth home run surrendered by the Mets tonight. And it's, it's, this is just ridiculous. They're down 14 runs now. And this Met team, who we had some sort I, I, I had some sort of expectations for. I don't think you did. And they no. look dead. That's unacceptable. Six. I mean, you know, uh, you have bad nights. I mean, if some nights the pitching staff is just not good. And yeah, no, but this this is a common occurrence for the Mets now. They don't score and they give up a ton of runs. Look at that. This. Re- How does he hit that out? There's a re- bent down and reach for it. That was to a- juice the ball. Yeah, that's what it was. It was a juice ball. Um, but yeah, do you want anything else in the Mets who just look awful? No, I think it's just a disaster. I hope Coburn buys the team and he fires Rojas and he just blows the whole thing open. Yeah, you you think they need a rebuild, and uh, I'm st- I'm still in, I'm still in on this team, but it's just not looking good. I can't see them making the playoffs, and uh, I will leave it at that. So let's get over to the the winning baseball team, and they haven't been winning as of as of late. But uh, the New York Yankees, who are, who are ten and six, <clears throat> and I guess we'll go to Sunday's game, Trevor. But if we did this show a week ago, I'd have no complaints about this team, and we'd probably quickly compliment Deidre LeMahieu. Drew over Garrett Cole's uh, mesmerizing stuff and, you know, maybe hope that Gary Sanchez overcame whatever slump he was in. But today we're having a different conversation. Gary Sanchez is hitting, get this, 0-8-6 in 12 games. He's 3 for 35. And it doesn't help that he can't block a Zach Britton fastball that didn't even bounce. Oh, Gary Sanchez looks lost. And then you also get the news that Giancarlo Stanton's going on the IL and he, he got hurt taking second base on a pass ball. And Trevor, when I saw the news, I was like, 
Are you kidding? You can't be serious. You can't you can't pull your hamstring advancing the second base on a wild pitch. I'll let you go, but what? I, I'm going to start off with a di- different post. You know, we talk about Torres. He's in a slump, too. But, uh, well, at least he's batting out of it. He, he got two hits least, tonight. At least I've seen, you know, he hasn't got out of it yet, but at least I've seen signs that he's close. Mm-hmm. You know, hit here, <laughs> nice a walk here, two hits. So he's getting, I see that he's starting to get, you know, close to getting out of it. I'm starting to see it. He's too good of a player not to get out of it. Right, but Sanchez can't hit the ball for his life. You saw yeah. one of his at-bats where he had a full count with the bases loaded, and he swung at a 3-2 pitch over his head. And then Carlos Stanton, who can't stay healthy, is is a, is a nothing on this team now. But at least we get to see Clint Frazier, right? Yeah, I'm not a big fan. Of <laughs> yeah, I know you are. That's why, that's why I did that. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, good teams have to come over injuries, so there's no excuse. Right, and, you know, part of baseball happens. Right, um, but the the one problem I have is is why is this manager the past over the weekend he ruins guys' outings for no reason? <laughs> you know, you go back to Saturday. Cole was pitching a great game. It was four and two thirds. All right, he wanted to get the one more out to get the win, but he has he was over hundred pitches, so he gave up one run right there. I would have taken him out and get the bullpen involved. Right, and he that. Go ahead. And he gives her three runs, and it ruins that out. Yeah, that's one instance. Go ahead. Paxton again. Yeah. As soon as he gives up a run, I would have taken him out. But no, he has to leave him in, and he ruins that outing, and ultimately I think that's the reason why he lost the game. Right, and, that, and that, that's what I was going to say, is that the, the Colt thing was one instance. And then the next day, and let me, let me say this first. Before yesterday, I was ready to rip the, this pitching staff because of James Paxton – you know, his fastball velo was down. He was giving up cookies left and right. He couldn't get out of the second inning. But he finally has a great start. And then Aaron Boone takes him out after a leadoff double and an eventual Mike Brosa home run. And you you seem to agree with me here. But why was James Paxton not out of this game after the leadoff double? And it's the seventh inning now. The guy hasn't gotten out of the second inning all year. You know, he's looked great today, but you could see in that first at-bat where he gives the double to Martinez how tired and how lost he was in that one at-bat. And seven innings into the game with a with a, with a semi-rested bullpen. They, they weren't used ridiculously the past couple of days. Why was he not taken out of this game once Jose Martinez hit that leadoff double? Because when, I... Bro, when Broso hit the home run... That set the tone for the game because the next guy, I don't even know who it was. It might have been Austin Meadows. I forget who the next guy was. But they go back-to-back, and now it's a tie game, and the Yankees end up losing the game. Yeah, and, you know, he takes guys out when they don't need to come out. Right, but... That's but, another thing. Go ahead. And, you know, two games, he's ruined two outings. Now, they get, you know, the first time he was able to get away with it, they won the game. But... Yesterday, if he doesn't, if he takes Paxton out earlier, not saying they don't lose the game. Maybe you know maybe they got a better shot of winning it. It's Certainly, a, maybe we're, we're, we're having a different conversation, right? That's that's what happened today. If he if he did take him out, we're having a different conversation today. Yeah, yeah, and and Boone has been good. You know, his first couple of years, you know, he takes a team to the ALDS in, in twenty eighteen. 
And we get to the ALCS last year. So Boone's not an awful manager. He just had two really bad days, right? No, to be, to be fair with that, though, he did come in with a lot of talent, to be fair. Last year he didn't. Last year everyone was hurt. That's true. But the year before that. Right. Well, yeah, but last year he was good. he was really good, and the year before that he was able to get his team to the back to the playoffs. Yeah, that was yep. the first year they had expectations. So he's been a pretty good manager. He just had two days, but also it's along with this pitching staff. The team can't buy a big hit right now. On Sunday, their only runs were on a Mike Ford hit by pitch and a Manuel Margot error in center field. You know, three runs, one on a hit by pitch and the other two on, a, on an error by the center fielder. And besides LeMayhew, and to a degree Judge, who's cooled off a lot since the beginning of the year, this team can't get a hit right now. And it, it's in part because of Gary Sanchez, who's hitting point, uh, .086, and because now one of your big sluggers, Giancarlo Stanton, is hurt advancing the second base on a wild pitch. So right now, this team can't buy a big hit. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they, the off day today shows them well. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. They need they need to use this off day just to, to regroup because they don't look good right now. You know, they've been going at it for a lot. You know, they had the schedule change with Baltimore that was a little hectic. Right. You know, I think they could use a day off. And and surprisingly, I just looked for this season, how about two off days in a week? For this season, that's like unheard of. Yeah, and that's because of the, the adjusted schedule and you know what? Use that. That's something to 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 go off of and get rested up. And on Tuesday uh, Paxton, it should be Montgomery Tuesday, I think. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But, because I heard they're skipping J.A. Hap starting. Finally, guy's an awful pitcher. But, on Tuesday when they play the Braves, I need to see Britton out of this bullpen, Adovino out of this bullpen, Chad Green out of this bullpen, and hopefully pretty soon, Trevor, we get a role this Chapman back in this bullpen. Yeah, and to go back to Britton when he gave up yesterday, you know, I think he was due to give up a run. I mean, you can't ask the guy to pitch well. I, I I don't even want to blame him because you know there was a play by Gleyber Torres, the heads up play at, at at shortstop to throw over to third and get the lead runner. That was a good play, but the guy gets the first base on the hit. But then Britton throws a fastball in the dirt, and you know fastballs in the dirt do not end up well. But Gary Sanchez does not even attempt to block it, and the winning run gets to second base, and eventually that guy would score on a Michael Perez hit. So I don't want to blame Zach Britton for what happened on Sunday. A lot of it goes on Gary Sanchez, like I said earlier. I, yeah, I agree. And you know what? I, I think, like I said before, they really need this off thing. And the bullpen has a lot of pressure on now because, you know, there's no Canely for this season. And I, I, it, it hit me how big losing Canely was this weekend when you couldn't go to Britain and you couldn't go to Adovino and you couldn't go to Green. And you know what? Hold up. Before we even get to that, Credit to Luis Avilan, who's a little great, Trevor. He's been pretty good. Yeah. So and then it hit, so it hit me this week when you couldn't go to those guys, and how great Tommy Canley and his electric strikeout stuff could have been this weekend against the Rays, right? Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's just a, you know, a little bit of a slump. Yeah. Not a stupid. That's part of sports, and everybody yeah. has those. And uh, um, go ahead, go ahead. I think you know. I think they just needed. They look tired. They just look tired. The past couple of days, oh, I think they just really need it. Was an off day. Yeah, they're gonna play two games, and luckily for them, I don't think they have to travel again. I think they're home this weekend again. Uh, what are they? They got the Braves, Red Sox, and then Rays. Yeah, they don't have to travel until the twenty first of August again, and that's that's going across the town to the Mets. So they don't really have to travel for another two weeks now to get down to Atlanta. 
Yeah, so I think that's really a, a bonus to him. I, I would expect a uh, after a poor performance, I would expect a uh, a big response tomorrow. Right, and one more thing. I don't want to make excuses for the Yankees, but when they go on to the Tropicana Field, they play awful. And it's, it's what this Yankee team does as, as an organization. For years and years now, going down to Tampa Bay has been miserable. You, know, you, you lose three or four in Tampa this year. I mean, or yeah, this is the end. that's the last time I got to Tampa this year. So you lose three or four this year. They're awful last year. They're awful the year before that. And you look at earlier Yankee seasons, like in the early 2000s, they were awful in Anaheim. Before that, they were awful in Seattle. So the Yankees have these periods as an organization where they don't play well in certain ballparks. So Yankees in Tampa, it's, it d- doesn't mesh well. And I kind of sense that going in. You, me too, but the, on the flip side of that series, when Tampa goes to New York, they never win there either. Who the Yankees? Or the Rays. The Rays never won in New York either. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta recognize that. I gotta look into that from now on. But yeah, it's, it, it, it could be just, re- it's, it's reverse. Like you say, the Yankees got to Tampa that so well, and then when the Rays come up here, they're, they're horrible. It and, just seems like the past three seasons that series has been very home dominant. Yeah, and that's mostly because, well, one, the fan bases are more into it. I don't, know, I can't speak that much about Tampa how their fan base is into it. But when the teams are better, their fans are a little more rowdy. And you know Yankee Stadium when you're playing a tough division rival, it's it's packed. It's not not this year, but it's usually packed. Yeah, just to show you how Tampa struggles in the Yankee Stadium. Remember that? Remember that day game when Blake Snell was on them? I think the Yankees like put like a twelve spot like the first two innings. Yes, I do. Was that that was last uh, June? I think I remember that. Yeah, just to show you how you know Tampa really struggles. In yeah, the Yankee Stadium. Yeah, they do. So the Yankees are ten and six. They're two games up in their division. No other team is over five hundred. You have the Orioles and Rays at five hundred, the Red Sox below five hundred, nine and six, and the Blue Jays at five and eight. And, and if I can, Trevor, the, the Red Sox are awful. They, there's double A pitchers in this rotation besides Evaldi. No one else is good. Yeah, I think the Orioles really don't count as second place team. They're gonna. I think they're already starting to correct themselves. Yeah, a they'll correct bit themselves. Now. Yeah, and, and the Rays they're, they're already starting a little bit now. They're already, they're cooling off. Yeah, they're uh, five and five in their last ten. But uh, I'm look for the Rays to heat up now, and the team, the team that's nobody talking about right now, and they're gonna play tomorrow. They're gonna be debuting, their quote unquote home is uh, watch out for Toronto. The why, why you say that? Because they're going to Buffalo. Well, they're going to Buffalo. They finally established home. And let me tell you something: Guerrero, Biggio, a lot of other players there know that ballpark because they played there for a couple seasons. Right, and we were talking to uh, the Buffalo Bisons radio announcer a couple weeks ago, and w- he said that guys like Biggio, Guerrero, uh, Bichette, Gurriel Jr., they all know this ballpark inside and out. A lot of these minor leaguers either didn't play a lot in Buffalo or didn't play there at all because they were in a completely different league. So that's a great point. That's a good little thing, Trevor. I like that. Um. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I got in the Yankees. Again, 10-6, and six, up two on Baltimore. And, uh, yeah, they always struggle when they go out to the shop. But let's get into Brooklyn Nets, Trevor, who beat the Clippers last night 129-110. to And this team continues to amaze me. You know, my expectations were, were super low going into this Orlando bubble, bubble, and I believe yours were too. And six games into this, they've already exceeded my expectations. Karis LeVert and Jared Allen had a double-double. Karis LeVert scored 27. Joe Harris went 5-for-8 from behind the arch, ended up with 25 points. And, uh, yeah, I'll let you go ahead, but uh, it, this team is, is it's clicking. 
Well, I was to have just a couple of Nets fans were texting me and saying, "Wow, look at the Nets!" And I'm, I'm saying, "I'm not buying it at all." You know, when they beat the Bucks, the starters rested in the second half. When they beat the Clippers last night, they weren't playing for anything. A couple guys rested, so I'm not really buying. I mean, you know, I'm not wins a win, but I'm not buying it. You know, the team, you know, is you know exceeding expectations. I'm well, not buying it. If I can jump to their defense, you got to understand that the Nets are. Right now, they're not even a they're not even a G League team. You know, they are awful. And to beat a team that has Kawhi Leonard on it, who by the way went on an eleven zero run by himself to tie the game last night, when you have a team with Kawhi Leonard, a bunch of other superstars who have an extraordinary defense, it feels good to get a win like this. And you've beat the Bucks, you've beat the Wizards, you've beat the Kings now. So the Nets four and two in the bubble. You know, I'm feeling really good about this team, but we both said we both said this a lot. In order to have any sort of success, the three guys, Levert, Allen, and Joe Harris, needed to click and put this team on their backs, and they've done that. The regular backups are clicking. The new depth pieces are working together, and the team's having a ton of fun, and they're a ton of fun to watch. Again, and now I'm going to ask you this as a Nets fan: if the Clippers were actually playing for something. You think the Nets would actually win that game? Uh, but I don't think it's a good excuse because everyone was playing. Like, yeah, just because they're not in a playoff game doesn't mean the players aren't going to try as hard. I I understand that. Now the Bucks they rested their players in the second half. You have to right. take that. I do. Out. I do. But you got to also remember in that game the Nets did not have I believe it was Levert, Allen, and Harris. Yes. Now, when they play the Raptors, even though they played well in the bubble, do you really expect the Nets to beat the Raptors? Yeah, that? I was going to bring that up. You know what? If this keeps going, Trevor, how about you grab a game? You get one game. Make it a five-game series. Make Give the fan base a little bit of hope. Get them excited. How about that? I would think so. I, I, I wouldn't think you were, you're not expecting to beat them. Absolutely not. But how how about just getting a win? Is that too Maybe, much to ask? I, I think I think it's a clean sweep. It, it's it, it going into the bubble. I would have said that w- with without a doubt, one hundred percent. But as time goes on, you know they might get a win in the series. It might not I, I, be I, your your stereotypical sweep where the Nets get destroyed every game. What if I think they might genuinely get a game from the Raptors? I'm not buying the Nets' recent success. I think there's a lot of holes that you can look. I'm not buying. Yeah, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm watching them click. And uh, I think they can get a game or two. But the Nets have two more games to go, one with Orlando and the other with the Super Hot Blazers. And uh, that team, the Blazers I'm talking about, looks like they have something in them and they can go on a deep playoff run. And they're going to play your Lakers. And I hear you are very concerned about playing the Blazers. So uh, tell me about that. Why are you concerned? Well, first of all, they, they, we don't know yet. They still have to play that playing <laughs> game. So they could right, play. right, right. Of course. They still have to hold on to nine. I'm really concerned because Damian Lillard, um, all, all those other guys, CJ McCollum, they, they can score. I'm really concerned about that. Yeah, and they're, and they're hot. This team is hot. Now, the one thing about the Blazers is they don't play defense. Their defense is horrible. Right, and that's what we said in our uh, in our preview show, that this team was going to score a lot of points, but they – they weren't gonna defend a lot. You know, it was gonna be it was gonna be a free for all. It's gonna be a shootout. And if you and if you want to beat the Lakers, I think you need to defend. Right. Do Do you think they get a game from you guys? The ball, I I think if they play the Lakers, that game can go to seven games. Yeah, I, I I don't buy that at all. But so clearly, I was gonna ask you this, but you just answered it. You think the Blazers have a better chance of picking up a game as an eight seed than the Nets do as a seven seed against the Raptors? Yes. Okay. 
No, I mean, glad to see you're consistent and, on that. And, and everybody was talking about, well, you know, the Lakers have had recent struggles. Well, let's take a look. I mean, they beat the Clippers. And you have to remember this too, the Lakers <laughs> were resting guys and not really playing for anything. And and one of the guys on the TV announcer made a good point. You can never fake the intensity when a game doesn't mean anything. Well, what do you mean by that? Like, you can't like, say they're like, not trying? Like for, the Lakers, you, like for the Lakers, you can't say to yourself, oh, this is a big game. You know it's not. So you never, you're not going to try as hard. You're not going to play as hard as you would have for a game that really meant something. But I, I, just, I don't buy that the players are going to the arena that night to, to not win the basketball game. You understand no, what I'm I saying? Agree with, I agree with you, but you can, you, it's not like the, the Lakers are struggling, but I would contribute that, you know, the game, they, they already got everything locked up. They rested in a couple of players, and a mm-hmm. couple of games they played, the other teams really needed those games. Right, and I agree with you. The games are worthless, but I don't. I also don't think that they're just not trying. I think there'll be an occasional one-on-one where, let's just say, Damian Lillard's driving up the court, and you know they won't even attempt to play defense on him. They'll let him dunk. You, you might see that in a game like this, but it doesn't mean that they're not trying to win. No, I didn't, I didn't say that. I'm just saying that I don't think they're. You know, they're not going full out as the other team would because they're not playing for anything. And I think Frank Vogel. The reason other wide are struggling is because they're trying new things out for the playoffs. Right, and those, those are those are perfectly good excuses. And uh, I, I, the Lakers are still a clear favorite in the Western Conference, and uh, I'm excited for you because you have a team that can, can go all the way this year. I'm going to be watching for you, Trevor. But um, you yeah. want to add anything else on the Nets no, or basketball? Would you say you want to add anything else on the Nets or basketball in general? No, the only thing I would say is when my team has already clinched a spot and they can't move up or down, my motto is. Get the losses out now. Yeah, you, you or you're all good arresting players and all that. Just get the I'm losses all out. Arresting players. Yep. You know, get get the losses out now. We don't want to put a playoffs. Want to try new things? I don't care. No, as long as nobody gets hurt these last two games, you can try anything yep. that you want. That's the important thing. No one gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go over to the Rangers who win the 2020 draft lottery and will probably select Alexis Lafreniere, and I think it's pretty much pretty much seals the deal. And now. The Rangers have their Sidney Crosby. They have their Austin Matthews. They're Ovechkin. They have their franchise player. And now, Trevor, speaking as a very happy and very excited Ranger fan, this team is now a Stanley Cup contender next year. I'm looking at this team with Zabanajan, with Bushnevich, with Adam Fox, with Jacob Truba, with Kapokako, and now Igor Sheshikin, who's played great in goal. 2020-21 season cannot come fast enough if you're a New York Ranger fan. And I have five months to play around with this Lafreniere guy and, and scout him and see how he's going to mesh in with this team, what line he's going to play on. But for now, Trevor, all smiles that this guy is going to be on my hockey team this year. Well, for, I, the first thing is I texted you right before and I said I was rooting for you. I'm very happy for you. That you got I appreciate that, that, Trevor. And I, I, I think... No, Stanley Cup contender, I don't know. I have to see how free agency works out, obviously. That's a big part mm-hmm. of what happens. Right. If the team pans out the way I could see them, I wouldn't think they're cup contenders. I could see them, certainly they should be a top four seed. Yeah. At least top. And they, can, and they should at least win a series. Yeah, and I'll go. I I went a step further. I said cup contenders as the Mets score a run. That's Pete Alonso getting the single, Trevor. Oh, another worthless hit. <laughs> but um but yeah i lost my train of thought but um so yeah i i, I go the step further i'll say that they're some sort of stanley cup contender 
But um, this year in the qualifiers, I could not be upset with the with the Rangers getting getting swept out. And I had this argument with an Islander fan on Twitter, where I was not upset at all. I mean, I should say that I was upset and I was I was frustrated with the team for not winning a game or not even putting up a fight against Carolina. But at the end of the day, twelve of the guys were rookies and rookies in those games. They, they, if it was a regular season, the Rangers wouldn't be anywhere near the playoffs. But you know what? I'm happy they got the experience, and I'm even happier that they lost and got this first overall pick. So you know what? 2020 for the Rangers has been a great year, and it's a bright, bright future. I'm looking forward to it. I agree. I think the one reason why I won't give them cup contenders yet is two reasons. One, I again, like I said before, I had to see how free agency goes. It's really hard to put it. And two inexperience, you know, they, they played three games, but still only three playoff games for a lot of their team. There's still not a lot of experience. Right. And that's in front of the fans, too. Got to put that into perspective, too. So I say I, <clears throat> cup contender this year. Would you say cup contender the year after next this year? I <laughs> would say this season, when, next season, win a playoff series. Next season, I would say certainly cup contender. So I give them not this season, but the following season. Okay, that, that's fair. But um yeah, so that's the Rangers. And one more thing quickly on the Islanders. They uh they move on to face the Capitals in the first round. Barry Trotz will face his old team, where uh, he won a cup in twenty eighteen. The series will be close, I think. But um the Islanders played well in the qualifiers to where we saw their elite defense and goaltending at its fullest. And the Capitals actually finished third in the round robin, but they're probably the two seed when when they're hot and they're not to be messed with. So Trevor, real quick. Uh, I think this is going to be a, a really, really close series with really good coaches and defense. But go ahead, real quick. Yeah, just to, just to give you some perspective, a close series. I think the Islanders pull out in seven. I do too. I do think the Islanders eventually go on and and take the series. Yeah, just just based on events because the defense and you know Washington. All right, they won the Cup final. They won the Cup a couple of years ago, but they've in recent years and a lot of the years they have they have struggled. They really underperformed. They've struggled to perform as they should. Right. And they got that one year. And this may be the year, and I heard you predict it before we came on here, that they get to the cup. And and do you have them winning it? I don't have them winning. You have Colorado winning. Yes. I don't. Which is a good team, by the way. They're very good. What did you say? Colorado's a very good team. They They are a very, very good team. They're very comparable to the Rangers. They have a very, very young team. They're a little older, but they started with a really young team. And I I kind of agree. This might be the year that they go all for it. Yeah, and and as a Rangers fan, if you want to see a model Mm -hmm. of what you could be, it could be the Colorado Avalanche. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But um, everyone, everyone, one more thing. Um. Root for Trevor's Canucks. Like the playing St. Louis. I, I I agree with you. We said this before that they have a chance to to take care of St. Louis here and move on. So uh, I'll be rooting for the Canucks, Trevor. But um, you want well, anything else on hockey? No. Well, thank you. The only thing I would say is thanks for uh, rooting for me. And I wanted to play the Blues just based on the fact that defending champions never. They always have that defending champion curse, and they're always out yeah. in the first round, right? Yeah, first or second round. And, you know, this young team. First of all. The season is a success. Yes. Super young team. They won a series. And you know what? Even if they lose, and you say, well, in the end, they had a real tough seven games. They gave St. Louis everything they got, a much experienced team. I would be really happy. Yeah, and this almost the same boat as the Rangers because, you know, they're a young, experienced team with a super bright future. And uh, this is good. They're going to get real playoff experience against a Stanley Cup playoff contender, uh, Stanley Cup contender. Uh, excuse me, the defending champions. 
So, yeah, yeah the Canucks it, are in a really good spot here. And you can say for Vancouver, they kind of have their core four. They have that Pedersen kid, mm-hmm. that Horvat kid. They have that Quinn Hughes. And Besser. Besser. They, got, they got like a core four going there. Yeah, it's a really, really super young, exciting team. And I had a lot of fun watching them. But um, well, one, one more thing on the Canucks. Do you enjoy watching these 1045 games? Does that bother you at all? Well, I'm not. I'm kind of used to it now because in the regular season they start at ten o'clock anyway. Right. But we got a break game too. I got a break. The game's at six thirty, so I got a break for that. And uh, just, just sorry to cut you off, but Luis Guillerme is pitching for the Mets now, and they've thrown this game away. Oh boy, sixteen to three, <laughs> and now Louis, the backup second baseman Luis Guillerme is pitching, and uh, sixty-seven mile an hour fastball, uh, great command. <laughs> I'm sorry, but um, yeah, so. The Met game is out of control. And one more thing, Trevor, and if you have anything else you want to say, we can. But at all, did you see this fight yesterday with the A's and Astros? I did. Apparently, didn't the Astros hitting coach say something about Liriano's mother in Spanish? Yes, yes he did. That- something about doing something to his mother. And then that set everything off, and then social distancing wasn't applied, and... That spilled over there, and I'm surprised that OB has not come down with a punishment. I thought they would do it by the beginning of tonight's game, so unless it happened while we were here, I, I I'll go back and look, but I don't I don't think we have anything. But no, I, I don't. No, I just looked right now. I don't see anything right now. Yeah, but you know what, Semyon, I mean not Semyon, Loriano was probably wrong for instigating the curveball comment. You know, break the curveball, whatever. But for for a, not even Astros player on. An Astros coach on Dusty Baker's staff to antagonize and call out Loriano and tell him, hey, come fight me. Come fight me on the dugout. Shouldn't that Astros bench coach get more games from the suspension than Ramon Loriano should get? Do you agree with me there? Because he's the one that kind of kept it going. And it, it's not it's a bad look because it's not even a player, but it, it's it's a hitting coach. It's not a good look. Absolutely, you should get more games. But it's based on the fact if he didn't say anything, it would have been over. It probably would have been. It probably would have just been a lot of standing around, and you know, but and it would have been no fight. But since he said that, turn out there was a couple of good punches thrown. Yeah, and I I, I forget who it was. I think it was in maybe it might have been the Astros backup catcher who grabbed Loriano and got him in the headlock and threw him to the ground. And Loriano after the after the fight thanked him for doing that because. He said he was he was going right at the coach. Like he was gonna punch him and all that stuff. And so, it was if it wasn't for the Astros backup catcher, then this thing would have looked a lot uglier. And oh, there's a fly ball left, not gone. But it would it would have looked a lot uglier. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, but that's all I got. You want to talk about anything else before we get off? No. Uh, I'm Joe Morales. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Morales underscore. That's Trevor Markowski. Uh, Me and Charlie will be back Thursday. This has been the MDM Podcast.